second half of the People Show coming to you live from the Kintech studio on a Canucks game day. Things get going 7 o'clock. Puck drop. Brendan Batchelor, Randy Janda with your call later this evening. Uh, also, uh, speaking of guy Randy Janda, let me bring up this uh, tweet that he had. Uh, there's the, it came here last year, uh, the NHL's United by Hockey Museum. Uh, it's in the Lower Mainland today and tomorrow uh, in Vancouver today. Uh, just opening now, uh, right at Rogers Arena tomorrow at Richmond Ice Center, uh, three to nine o'clock. So go, uh, go check that out if you're heading to the game tonight. Uh, certainly uh, a cool showcase of uh, everything that hockey's got to offer. Uh, United by hockey as well. So go check that out at Rogers Arena tonight. Uh, six fifty, six fifty. Uh, this one from Richard in Cloverdale talking about you know where the Canucks place and teams that have won eight games of the first 11, potentially nine of the first 12, what it means. Uh, Richard in Cloverdale, uh, isn't it time to at this point uh, to talk about the Canucks being top three in the division or make it as a wild card, not whether they make the playoffs? Absolutely. And to be honest, uh, I'd be a little disappointed if they uh, slide back into a wild card spot. It'd be okay. They'd make the playoffs, all that. But to me, it would be an indicator something went wrong this season or, or Anaheim is really just good. Uh, and, and they skipped a step in their rebuild. To, to me, uh, you got to try to seal one of these Pacific Division seeds for sure uh, the rest of the way. Uh, 650-650, keep coming in with your thoughts, anything you, you want to chat, chat about uh, about for tonight's game, uh, or if you want to uh, say something about the Seattle Seahawks because it uh, wasn't great on the weekend tough watch uh, i checked out midway through the fourth i was like it, it's it's just not going well it's not going well i'll go watch uh the saints bears a game or something like that uh, but let's get into it uh with our good friend you hear his voice on our airwaves on sundays thursdays or mondays whenever the seahawks are playing he is the uh, play-by-play announcer for the seattle seahawks on the seahawks radio network it is steve rabel steve how are you I'm terrific. Uh, well, considering what we all went through yesterday, <laughs> it was pretty difficult. Uh, but, uh, you know, I feel for the players having been in that situation and having lost a game like that many years ago, uh, we, we got beat 30 to nothing by the New York Giants one year. Uh, I can tell you it's it's not fun. Yes. Yeah, so, OK, so what's the mood in the scenario like that? It's, is, is it back to work right away or is it, hey, like, t- take a day and forget about it? Like, what's the situation? Yeah, you know, Pete is so good about about that sort of attitude. That is, we have, you know, we'll have 24 hours. Uh, if we win, then we'll look at the at the film and be critical of the videotape now, uh, and we'll be critical of what we did, even in a win. And the same thing holds true for the loss. We're going to take Monday, and it's going to be uh, the the tell the truth Monday, as mm-hmm. they always have. And when it's a loss, you know, people have to be accountable to each other, to their coaches. Coaches have to be accountable to the players on what went wrong and how do we fix it. And then that's it. That game is behind you. Uh, and you take, for the players, Tuesday is a day off. For the coaches, it's go in and put the game plan together. And Wednesday, you're working on uh, your next opponent, which is, in this case, the Washington Commanders. Uh, all right, so let's start with, uh, you know, for me, the, the biggest issue yesterday was the offensive line. And, you know, Gino was pressured on you know 53% of dropbacks per next-gen stats. And, you know, they, they, I think the offense and, and the offensive staff, the coaching staff, have done such a great job through all these injuries of trying to prop it up. But yesterday it felt like the dam kind of burst. Is this something that we'll see consistently, or is this just because Baltimore is so good? 
Well, I'm hoping it's the latter. I'm hoping it's because Baltimore's front, actually front seven, actually everybody on defense, Mm -hmm. because it's all tied together. They can play great coverage. They can cover up man, say, a single free in the back end uh, because they have such a great pass rush and because those guys are so tough in the uh, middle of the, the defensive front. They can shut down the run. They can push the lineman back into the passer, which happened a lot yesterday to Geno. He had guys literally falling at his feet or jumping up right in front of him as the line got pushed back. So I think, yeah, offensive line, they had their share in this, but Pete uh, Pete said it yesterday after the game. This is everybody's loss. This is the entire Mm -hmm. team. We didn't play well in any aspect, whether it was blocking for the run or the pass, whether it was – you know, throwing guys open, we didn't do a good job of that. Whether it's the receivers getting out of single coverage, getting away, giving their quarterback, who was under a lot of pressure, somebody to throw to. Or whether it was responding, reacting. What happens when you get punched in the mouth as a coaching staff? How do you help your players, you know, get back to where they need to be? And we didn't do a good job in any of those uh, any of those places yesterday. And that's why you have such a lopsided score. And so... It behooves everybody to come back to work and get ready to go. I guarantee you this. We're not going to see as good a defense the rest of the season as we saw yesterday. It's interesting, too, because, you know, there was like a 90-game streak, I feel like, where the Seahawks were either winning or a one-score game, right? From the start of the Russell Wilson era to basically uh, 2019, it was it was you're in one-score games every time. And, and that's what was so foreign yesterday, that it, it looked so defeated. There were no answers for the team. Yeah, and and again, those kind of games are going to happen. Uh, I, I tell you, and being on the team plane coming home last night, uh, you know, it was it was kind of quiet. The locker room was really quiet after the game. But when you're a player, and, and I can sort of attest to this, you get over this much quicker than the coaches do. Right. Especially a, a lopsided loss like this, you just kind of say, okay, we just got our butts handed to us. Now let's let's learn from it, but move on. And, you know, coaches have to go back and dissect everything and look at it and f- try to figure out what didn't we do right and why didn't we do it right. Was it simply a fact that we got overmatched, manhandled? Is it all up front, both sides of the ball? Our defensive line, as tough and good as they have been this season, they were not able to stop the run yesterday. Um, you know, about the only defender that really stood out yesterday was Boye Mafe. Uh, he was able to put some pressure on the quarterback, get another sack, uh, but we didn't we didn't cover really well in the back end. We didn't tackle uh, well at all uh, across the board defensively. So you know you kind of look at okay well, what happened there. And I think Coach took a fair amount of that on himself and his staff. He said obviously I just didn't have these guys ready to play. Uh, but I talked to people down on the field before the game who said hey these guys are fired up. They're ready. They know what they're coming up against here in Baltimore, and they are electric. They're ready to go. Well. Obviously, not quite enough. I, I want to touch on Gino because I've sat here for you know beginning of last year, and I was excited to see Gino. And starting the season, I thought he was going to take this step. And you know, it feels like the leash from fans feels really short for a guy who threw thirty touchdowns last year and had sixty nine percent completion rate. And look, the, the, the stats are the stats. It's six interceptions over the last four weeks, and it's it, it's it stumbled a little bit here, but. Is it, is it like how much criticism is fair to place on the quarterback right now? Well, I think the quarterback always gets criticism, and in many cases, some of it is is uh, deserved. 
because he's got the most responsibility on the field. It's the toughest position to play uh, in, a lot of people say, in uh, football. I say it's the toughest position in a team sport to play is quarterback because so much is riding on you touch the ball every play. Uh, your decisions have to be right all the time. Uh, you have to be skilled as a football player to throw that ball on the money when there are guys hanging all over you, guys in front of you with their hands up, and defensive backs who are trying to get to the receivers and, and intercept the pass. So there are so many things you have to do well uh, to be a, a good uh, starting quarterback. I think Geno is a good starting quarterback in this league. I think there have been a number of times this season where maybe he's tried to fit it into some windows that didn't work uh, or – that there was a miscommunication. We've had, you know, more of that this year than I, I think even the Seahawks would care to, to, to admit, mm-hmm. but a, kind of a miscommunication on what Geno thought the receiver was going to do and what the receiver actually did. And unfortunately, the only guy that ends up close is the defensive back. And then there have been times when, you know, Geno just threw a, a not very good pass that ended up getting picked off. I think it's a combination of all those things. It's never just one one of those factors because if it was you'd fix it if it was all Gino, you know you'd say okay we need to start taking a look uh, maybe someplace else at our for our quarterback but that's not the case at all he didn't get a lot of time trust me i was watching this thing from up above and virtually every time i talked about Gino taking a shotgun snap he was having to duck out of trouble and slide to one side or the other the pocket was collapsing on him consistently, and that was just great play by those guys on the other side of the line who also get paid an awful lot of money to make the quarterback's life miserable. So, you know, it just was one of those games. You chalk it up, you say, let's learn from it, and then let's get past it and hope we never see that again. Is it a situation where there might be too much on them? Because it feels like the running game hasn't really gotten going either. It's 32 attempts the last two weeks, which matches the amount that they had against the Arizona game. Uh, what's been the struggles getting the running game going? I, I think, again, it's, it's a, a combination of factors. Uh, you know, when you look at the running game, it, you automatically start looking up front. Are we blocking it right? Mm-hmm. Do we have the right schemes? And we know from the fact that just a couple of weeks ago they ran for you know, a couple of hundred yards. Mm-hmm. So the scheme is good. Sometimes it's different uh, as to the guys you're playing against that make it more difficult. Um, I, I think also there are times when, say, Ken Walker, as great as he has been in his first now year and a half as a pro, that he will try to, you know, make something happen when nothing's there. And so that's one of the good things about a guy like Zach Charbonnet. He is, he is a hammer, and he will just, plow into that thing and make something happen. And in many cases, he comes out the other side having picked up some positive yards. The bottom line on everything here is you cannot consistently put yourself in second and long and third and long situations and expect to have to run the ball or expect to be successful. Let me put it that way, running the ball. So when you come out on first down and you get stoned at the line of scrimmage, now it's second and 10, you throw, um, Either it's incomplete, maybe you have a penalty, a holding penalty, or whatever. Now that pushes you back. It's second and long. You try a a delayed handoff or a screen pass. That doesn't work. It's third and long. Now you have to throw. So when the game plan isn't working because you're not able to succeed on your early downs, first or second down, you put your your, uh, play caller, your offensive coordinator, in a really bad spot. 
which in turn puts your quarterback in a bad spot. So, you see, it's all connected, and people kind of sometimes don't want to see all those connections. They just want to go right to the fact, well, Geno didn't complete enough passes, or it must be the offensive line because we didn't run the ball well enough. Everybody takes a, a hand in that. We had some opportunities yesterday where we're looking at a second down and three or four, and boom, on the second down play, we have a holding call. Or we have a, a, a you know a guy in the neutral zone. We have a, a, a an offsides call. There are so many of those things that happen that that just can't if you want to be successful. Uh, talking to Steve Rabel, voice of the Seattle Seahawks on the Seahawks radio network, which you hear on these airwaves as well. Uh, you mentioned uh, just switching to the defense. Boye Mafe. Uh, does he remind you of anyone that you've seen in, in a Seahawks uniform before? Because it feels like I, I, you know, the, 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 there's a couple of guys that stand out, but I'm curious, you know, you watch more snaps than, than anyone. Is there a defensive end that he reminds you of? Well, that's interesting because, you know, the way teams play defensive end and what you're asking them to do differ a little bit with schemes. Sure. Um, you know, we had guys who could, you know, Cliff Averill could put his hand in the dirt and come off the edge, but he could also stand up and uh, play off a tight end, maybe even cover into the flat if he had to, but then he could bring the pass rush. Cliffy is about as close as anybody I can think of, and and again, that's not an original thought because I think Pete said that early on, and Cliff was there at training camp helping these guys along the front. You know, Mike Bennett, great guy coming from the edge, but he could also slide down into a five-technique tackle and, and, and bring some pass rush pressure from the inside, but Cliff is about as good as I can think of uh, at a guy as a guy who could do all those things and uh, and be successful getting to the quarterback and uh, uh, that's what we see for Boye I think uh, Dave Wyman and I we talk about it a lot my broadcast partner uh, who is heard on your airwaves as well uh, we we talk about that and the fact that Cliff was a perfect guy to help tutor him during training camp uh, and he and Boye has come so far from his first year. Uh, you know, as as we often say, you can always tell a rookie, you just can't tell him much. <laughs> and Boye, as a rookie, had that learning curve. The game is different at this level. And offensive tackles are different, and the way they block you is different, and the way they can chip you is different. And you're seeing great athletes every week when you're trying to rush the passer, as opposed to in college where you might not have had, you know, the best of the best trying to block you. So uh, it's it's a process, and Boye is, I think, is making great progress in that, and he's looking what looking great. It's six a sack in six straight games now, which is, I believe, it, well, I know it's the best in Seahawks, and uh, it's as good as anybody in the NFL right now. So he just keeps that up. Uh, I know there's a few plays from yesterday he would love to have back, uh, as far as making a tackle when when the, when Lamar Jackson broke a couple of those. But, again, think of who you're playing, too. Lamar Jackson is as good as anybody out there at the, the full package, running the football, throwing the football. Not a great deep passer, good short passes to his tight end, but he just makes life a living hell, if you will, for defensive linemen and outside linebackers trying to tackle it. Uh, last one for me. Uh, we got our first look at Leonard Williams. Uh, your thoughts and uh, limited usage? Uh, you know, I, I think he's going to get better and better as he gets more involved in our system. Uh, it, there was The terminology is not really different, and I think a defensive lineman can step in and play in a lot of cases in like this when he's only had mm-hmm. three practices. So I think he's going to get better and better 
part of being a really good defensive lineman in this league is understanding how the guys around you are going to play. So we'll call a particular defense. Bobby Wagner will call that in the huddle. And now if you're Leonard Williams, you're kind of wondering or trying to figure out exactly how Draymond Jones or uh, Jaron Reed uh, or or Mario Edwards Jr. are going to play around you when that defense is called. And how are the linebackers going to fill in behind you when you do what you do? So it's a learning curve as well there. But, you know, this guy is a terrific athlete. He's a great Pro Bowl defensive lineman. He fits in perfectly with what we want to do. He's a physical specimen. He just he looks the part when he's out there on the field. So I have no doubt he's going to be a great contributor to this defense. Uh, great stuff as always, uh, Steve. We'll look forward to the next call here on uh, Sunday uh, on our airwaves. Uh, best of luck, and uh, ho- hopefully we have one of these chats after a W. <laughs> I- I'm, I'm, I'm counting on the fact that it's going to be a much better game uh, this week against Washington. Thank you. That's uh, Steve Rabel. You hear him on Sundays uh, on the Seahawks radio network on the home of the Seahawks here on Sportsnet 650. All right. He mentioned uh, Seahawks playing the Commanders uh, this week. I don't know what the line is. I imagine we'll touch on that one amongst uh, many others as we like to look ahead. Because Sundays it's tough to not look ahead at the week ahead lines, especially when having a good week. You're like, you know what? I wonder what week 10 looks like. I I shut it all down. I tell all my friends, don't send me any week 10 betting news. And uh, I wait till this segment to guess the lines. I'm so glad that's back. I, I, I've been siloed for uh, 12 hours here, so let's get into it. Let's start with tonight's Monday Night Football matchup, where the uh, surging New York Jets play the hey, well, Los- week, week 10 lines. Week 10 lines. We're not doing it Monday Nighter? I already know the Monday Nighter. I already Aww. took it in Big Six. It's plus three and a half. Aww. We want Week Ten lines here, Dom. I was so excited. I, I already took this one on Friday. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. Well done, yeah, Victor. Yeah, yeah. Massive. I, you can't. I can't help it if I'm excited. All right. You, you are noticeably pumped up for yeah. today's game. The hats on. Prime time. Yeah. All right, Panthers at Bears Thursday night. Thursday night game. Panthers look awful against the Colts. Uh, Bryce Young, I think, threw another pick six just minutes ago. Chicago toughs it out against uh, New Orleans but loses. Maybe there's an injury thing here with Justin Fields potentially coming back on Thursday. But, man, uh, give me – I just – two bad teams. Give me Bears minus three. Oh. Minus three and a half. Oh, the extra hook. Yeah. All right. We're I so mean, close. Might be good news for the for Justin Fields in returning then. Uh, AFC North matchup, Browns at Ravens. Huge divisional game. Uh, Browns obviously shut out the Cardinals. Man, the AFC North dominated the, the NFC West with the Baltimore Ravens crunching the Seahawks. Uh I feel like this can be low scoring, so maybe it means the spread is a bit lower. Give me Ravens minus four. Ravens minus six. Six? Yeah. Wow. Yeah. That's a lot. Right now, they look really good. They, they, they look fantastic. But, I mean, look, the Browns defense is really strong right now. Hang on, let me write down the Browns. Okay, go ahead. All right. Early pick might be the Browns. Uh, 49ers at Jags. 49ers at Jags. Two teams coming off a bye, but both teams look very formidable in their respective conferences. Uh, Jags trying to keep up pace for uh, 
first seed. 49ers got to get right back on track. So 49ers on the road here in Jacksonville. Uh, probably not a full field goal, so give me minus two and a half for the 49ers. You were getting so close, Vic. Minus three. For the it 49ers. is a full field goal. It is a full, yeah. Oh, man. Okay, let me uh, Jaguars. Write them down. The hook. Come, oh, you're done. Okay, yeah, I'm coming up uh, next one here. <laughs> Sorry, I thought you had something going. Uh, next one here, Commanders at your Seahawks. Yeah, the uh, Seahawks look really, really bad against uh, Baltimore. Commanders, like Sam Howell is throwing so much right now. Uh, it's kind of good for fantasy if you got a Jahan Dotson or Terry McLaurin. Uh, they're stable, at least, with how many passing attempts they got. A lot of sacks, though, for Washington. Uh, nevertheless, uh, Washington gets their win against New England. Uh, let's go. You know, how much of the shine is worn off of the Seattle then? Because I, I want to say it should be a full touchdown, but it's probably not. So let's say Seahawks minus six. Oh, <laughs> Seahawks minus six and a half. All right. That, that, that feels right. You are getting so close. You got to end on a make. The thing is, is we, we want to. It, it's nice to be off because then we're like, all right, we're, we're taking that pick. Yeah. But you want to end on a make. Uh, we, we try to, but look, we, we still got more games to go here. Giants at Cowboys, NFC least matchup. <laughs> uh, Cowboys stubbed their toe against the uh, Eagles uh, yesterday. Had so many chances to, to try to make that a close game, but you know, Dak steps out of bounds, penalty here. Can't get across the goal line on the TE catch. Um, Giants look terrible. Danny Dimes out for the year. He's, he's done, ACL. They look like they don't have answers to questions that they don't even know what to ask for. Uh, Can I give you a hint? No, I'm going to say Cowboys 10 and a half. More. 11 and a half? More. 13 and a half? More. Over two touchdowns? Yeah. Oh, I'm way off then. What is it? Dallas minus 15 and a half. Oh, my. That's a lot of points. Yeah. I'm going to write the Giants down. Maybe they in maybe a divisional they matchup. Maybe they appear on Big Six. I I, I feel like I, I'm I'm going to talk myself out of that one, but that's 15 and a half points. Wow. Uh big quarterback battle: C.J. Stroud and the Texans at Joe Burrow and the Bengals. Ohio State QBs. Although Joe Burrow went to uh, LSU, obviously. Uh, Houston at Cincy. Houston looks fantastic. Uh, at least CJ Stroud does. They, they gave up a lot of points to Baker and Tampa, which, by the way, shout out to Baker Mayfield. Uh, looking good this season. Uh, Cincy, big win last night. They look like they're back, so I feel like the respect is back on Cincinnati. They got to be over a touchdown here. Uh, give me Bengals minus seven. Hey. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. You got one. There we go. Who is that again? Oh, right. That's Reek Willen. That's Reek Willen. Yeah. Minus seven. Oh, I, yeah, thought, I thought oh, maybe yeah. you'd give him the hook, but I think the story this week is going to be CJ Stroud. Early betting public will probably be back in CJ Stroud. Let's end with a couple tight matchups. Let's do Lions at Chargers. Lions at Chargers. Uh, Lions on the bye week. Chargers, we'll see what happens uh, tonight if it impacts the line at all. But look, I, I don't think the Chargers are anything more than average. They got an exceptional player in Justin Herbert, but everything else just feels like it's such a labored effort. Give Palmer me out, 
Williams out. Yeah, give me Lions on the road favorites here. They get the bye short week for the Chargers. Give me Lions minus three and a half. Much closer, Vic. It's Lions minus one and a half. One and a half. One and a half. All right, I'll tell you right now, Detroit's going to be there in big six. And let's finish on this. Wow. It's the Jets at the Las Vegas Raiders. Raiders get the back-to-back New York teams. Uh, Raiders uh, rebound big way uh, against the Giants. We'll see what happens with the Jets tonight, although uh, it feels like every Jets game is kind of the same right now. So I think we kind of know what we're going to see. Every Jets game is different. Every Jets game is the same. You got to have a few seasons before you can get that nice moniker. Uh, bad team, stay bad. Yeah. Uh, let's say uh, Jets road favorites here. Minus one. Oh, so close, buddy. <laughs> Jets minus two and a half. Oh, and just okay. for bits and giggles. Oh, yeah. yeah. Let's play one more time. <laughs> uh, all right. All right. Well, we found some value there. Lions, Cleveland, Jaguars potentially, although going against the 49ers, never easy. Uh, all right, some interesting picks there. We'll, we'll see if we can wrap up Big Six tomorrow. Uh, running out of time today because we got to get ready for a big one. 7 o'clock. Canucks and Oilers. Get going. Chance to shut the door. Wrap out the Oilers in the Pacific Division seeds. You do that with the win tonight. Canucks going to be finding themselves after 82 with the 1, 2, or 3 next to their name in the Pacific Division. Uh, we'll see what they can do tonight. Canucks Central. On the way, Dan Riccio, Satyar Shaw, setting you up for the game, pregame at 6 o'clock. They'll talk to Don Taylor as they do on Mondays. It's a regular edition, a fantastic edition of the People's Show. Thanks to you with all the texts coming in, 650-650. Stick around here on Sportsnet 650.